The game Two Truths and a Lie is designed to make it difficult to discern the difference between the two. In life, it's often like this as well. The truth has been increasingly difficult to spot and the lies often masquerade as truth. How can we learn the difference between them and live in the truth instead of lies? Join us as we seek to journey towards living in the truth and spotting lies that can deceive us in our current sermon series, Two Truths and a Lie. Well, again, I'm glad each and every one of you is here with us as we are continuing our teaching series called Two Truths and a Lie. And it's based off, or the sermon title is based off the game, Two Truths and a Lie. Some of you know this game. Some of you have never played this game. But the game is really simple. All you need to do is come up with two truths and one lie, but the lie has to sound like the truth. And what's difficult is it's difficult to detect as you're playing the game which one of these is the lie. You know, it's true of life as well that oftentimes, oftentimes the truth and the lies look very similar to us. Sometimes it's, it's difficult to know what's reality and what's unreality. What's the truth of the matter? And we have a difficult time sometimes discerning that. Take, for example, this idea of freedom. What would you say as you hear the word freedom and what freedom truly is? Like, what would come to your mind? There's all kinds of ways in which we would answer this question. But oftentimes, the things that we think are going to bring us freedom are the things that enslave us, hold us captive, don't bring about freedom. And then the things that we would call enslavement or hindering our freedom or going against our ability to live fully are actually the very thing that is what gives us freedom. It's hard sometimes to know the difference. So here's a question for us today. How do we experience freedom? Because the truth has a lot to say about that. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open up with me to John chapter 8. We're going to actually hear Jesus describe for us how we live in freedom because Jesus ultimately wants for us to free, have freedom. He's for us, not against us. And that is even difficult for some of us to believe that he actually has our best interests in mind. But today we heard four individuals who just declared that truth in their own life, in their own experience. We have verses on the screen. Feel free to use the Riverbend app or a Bible app. And we have free copies of the Bible out in the hallway as well. And as we get to the highlighted section of this verse, I want to invite you to read it out loud with me, all right? It says this in John 8, starting in verse 31. It says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And this is really interesting as you hear what Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, if you hold to my teaching, if you build your life on this stronghold of not just what I said, but what I was about, how I lived, if you apply what it is that you've seen from me, then you are my disciples. You're an apprentice of mine. You're coming under my way of life. You've put your trust and your faith in me, and you're joining me for what it is I have for you. You're not only learning about me, but you actually know me. And you're walking with me and you're taking on this quality and this experience of life that is found in me. And he says, if you hold to my teachings, you are disciples, you are my disciples and you will know the truth. You're going to know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
So as we hold on to the teachings of Jesus, we're his disciples, and we're going to know the truth. And part of knowing the truth is to know him. Because he's the full measure of truth. Jesus is full of grace and truth. He's the embodiment of truth. Another passage calls him the fulfillment and the personification of wisdom. It's found in who he is, and not only in his way of life and the essence of Jesus, but what he taught and what he communicated and what he was about. And so we want to be able to understand in him is truth. And that truth is going to set us free. Again, you, if you hold to my teachings, if you make this a stronghold on your life and build your life on it, you'll be my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will do what? What does he say? Set you free. Turn to your neighbor and say, set you free. Set you free. This is good news, right? This is good news. How many of you want to be set free? Show of hands. Who wants to be set free? Everybody wants freedom. We talk so much about it. In our culture, I want freedom. Don't hinder my freedom. Don't step on my freedom. And Jesus says, hey, I've come to give you freedom. I've come to give you freedom. So as we think about what he says, here's the first part of what I want to give to us today. Truth, as we think about the definition that we're working with, is in accordance with fact or reality. So when we talk about truth, this is what we're talking about. This definition actually comes from the book by John Mark Comer, Live No Lies. But truth, again, is in accordance with fact or reality. But here's the other part of this, and it's simply this. When we hold to the teaching of Jesus, we will know the truth, and it will set us free. When we hold to the teaching of Jesus, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. And to to hold to the teaching of Jesus, again, is so important. Not only what we know but who we're becoming, who we're becoming in our character. Is our character becoming like Christ? Are we growing in the ways of Jesus and how he lived his life in our current context, the context we find ourselves in? Because we are meant to embody the way of Jesus, not just to know something, not just to talk about him, but to be about him in our lives. And so here's a question for you today. What and whose teaching are you holding on to? And what and whose teaching is holding on to you? I want you to think about this because many of us are listening to a lot of teachers, a lot of communicators, a lot of quote-unquote experts, you know, whether that's a podcaster, a, a social media influencer, a YouTube influencer, whether that's a spiritual guru, a theologian, a pastor, a teacher. There's all kinds of voices that we're listening to right now. But it's important that we allow all those things to be filtered through the hands of Jesus as the not only Savior of our lives, but the master teacher of life and the life that we are intended to live. Is it aligned with Jesus in his ways? Are we allowing him to take root in who we are and who we're becoming Are we allowing something else to get in the way of that that sounds like freedom but goes against who Jesus is and what he has for us? My friends, that is not freedom. That is enslavement. That is what holds us captive. This is what Jesus is talking about and teaching and communicating. you got to know as he's talking to this audience, they were a spiritual people. They knew Old Testament scripture. But they had a difficult time with reality, as we're going to see as you continue on in John 8. 
Well, as we continue on in this passage, it says this. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So, let's read this out loud together on 3, 1, 2, 3. So, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so, what Jesus says to them and their answer to him is saying, hey, we've never been held captive by anybody. We're Abraham's descendants. Do you not know our spiritual pedigree? Have you read our resume? Look, look who we know. Look where we've been. Look what we have. These are their responses. And Jesus is after something much deeper than their pedigree, much deeper than their resume. And you know, I think for us, we have to ask ourselves, what do we answer to Jesus when he says something like that to us? Hey, if you sin, you're a slave to sin. Do we have an answer back to him, like our resume? Well, look what I've accomplished. Look who I know. Look what I have. And yet as we look underneath all of that, as we heard today so well, as these people who got baptized shared, you can look a certain way, but inwardly be falling apart and lacking true peace, joy, and meaning. You could go to a prestigious university like Lehigh and still be longing and lacking and yearning and afraid. You could still have all the things that we would look at and say, wow, you're a success, and still be searching for significance and searching for peace. And I think we live in a time right now where there are a lot of spiritual people and there's a lot of spiritual awareness, which makes great for conversation. And I have a lot of great conversation with people. But often it stops short when we have to acknowledge how short we fall on living up to our standard and more so living up to God's standard. We have a difficult time acknowledging that we miss the mark. And that there's a target that we're to hit. It's this idea when the word sin was used. It's to hit this bullseye straight up. But if you missed it just a little bit, you sinned. And guess what? You and I, compared to a holy and righteous God, we miss the mark all the time. We blow it. The things that we think, the things that, and the reasons why we do things from not pure motives, the things that we choose to do that we shouldn't do, and the things that we should do that we don't do. There are sins called sins of commission. And those are the things we shouldn't do. Those are the things we're like, ah, don't do that. But then there's this idea of the sin of omission. Which is to do what we should do, but we don't do it. We don't do it. We, we are afraid. When God asks us to go, we're saying, ah, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go where you have for me to go but Jesus says hey this is good news for you to come to grips with this reality that anybody who sins is a slave to sin but there's one who comes to set you free I've come to set you free I've come to bring you freedom it comes through faith and trust in what I've done it comes with you follow after me and what I would do my my la my life my death my burial my resurrection who I am and what I've come to give to you and he uses this illustration that a son has access to the father. It reminds me of my son, Ray. 
My son Ray, who's six years old, he knows he has the rights and the privileges of being Joe Velarde's son. And he, he acts out on those things, right? He comes into my room at any hour, right? I'm trying to concentrate. I'm trying to focus. It doesn't, Daddy, 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 you want to go out and play? Daddy, you want to go out and play? You want to go do this? You want to go do that? And what does that tell me? That tells me, wait a minute, I have this relationship and this standing with my son that's different than what I have with others. And Jesus is saying, hey, in me, you have access to all that your Father in heaven has designed you for. He has given and created you for someone and for something. He's made you on purpose and for a purpose. He wants to unlock the freedom the freedom that he's come to give you from the bondage of enslavement, the things that are hindering you, the strongholds in your life, that bitterness you cannot let go of, that envy that keeps creeping up, that jealousy of somebody else, that mistake or those mistakes that you've made and continue to make, that addiction that you're in the throes of. Jesus is the one that wants to bring freedom to you in those things. He wants to give you freedom. And he gives freedom through what he himself has provided for you, through the power of the Spirit within us, through community, like we're experiencing this morning. That's why we're celebrating baptism. We're in it together. We're in it together. So as we think about that, there's a couple things I want to give to you. Where do you need to experience freedom? Where do you need to experience freedom right now? Some of us, it's debilitating anxiety. It's not just that we have anxieties. It's that it's debilitating us. And we, we're afraid to let others into those spaces. Right now, we're like, oh, I don't even know where to go with that. I know how to numb it out, but I don't know how to like, actually address what's going on within me. For some of us, it's alcoholism. For some of us, it's, as we heard today, perfectionism. And it's this need to strive and to put oneself together. And to earn something, where do you need to experience freedom? And do you believe Jesus has come to give you freedom? Do you believe in him? He has a way of life that wants to allow you to step into what you were created for. Before sin ever entered this world. Before sin ever entered us. To fully step into our Imago Dei. The image bearing of God. As much as we can do on this side of eternity. So again, where do you need to experience freedom? The other part of this is to experience freedom, we have to agree we are slaves to sin and that the Son has come to set us free. Do you agree with this statement? And you may not be there yet. You may be searching. You may be seeking. You may be like, I'm not totally sure what I think about Jesus. But Jesus is saying something that is hard for them to hear and is hard for us to hear, but he's not just saying it to hurt people. He's saying the truth to set them free. He's saying the truth because he knows in order for them to experience healing, they've got to hear the honest truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes the truth is painful. Sometimes it's difficult. And I want you to know that when we come to terms with who we are before God and, and who we are and, and our need for what Jesus would do. And as we continue to journey with Jesus, there's this freedom that he wants to give to us. And here's the deal. 
even if you're a follower of Jesus, this way of life that Jesus is describing is an ongoing process, not because it hasn't been completed on our behalf, but we're daily going to need people to remind us, hey, hold on to Jesus' teaching. Hold on to who he is and what he's done for you. Hey, hey, Joseph, hey, don't forget what God says of you. Hey, Joseph, I had a couple people this week alone say to me, hey, hey, as much as you can get done and accomplish, make sure you're not getting accomplished in your own power, in your own strength. Make sure you deepen those roots in Jesus. Deepen that. Do you believe he can do the impossible? And are you praying that way? And are you waiting on his timing on things? I need people to say those things to me. And we need that collectively. We need people to help us when we are falling short and missing what God has for us to remind us of the grace and the truth that's ours in Jesus that we can confess freely. We don't have to be ashamed because we don't have to put ourselves together because Jesus has fully and perfectly and completely done that for us. But we can't experience freedom without the power of confession. Confessing to brothers and sisters who are pointing us towards Jesus. Confessing to God, but we have to do both. We have to go to brothers and sisters that are trustworthy. And we have to go to our Heavenly Father. There's power in confession. Is this your confession? Because it's my confession. I know I need freedom from sin, and that only comes through Jesus. As we continue on here, they didn't like what Jesus had to say, as you continue to read in John 8. They had a really difficult time with this, and Jesus challenges them on this idea of being children of Abraham, not just descendants. In other words, to have faith like Abraham did was to love God and to love what God was about. And they didn't have that. And so Jesus goes on and they have this conversation towards the end of John 8. And I encourage you to read the rest of this uh, on your own this week, the whole of John 8. And we'll continue to dive deep into it in this series. But listen to what it says here. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. And he's just being really clear. These words I have, I've been sent from God the Father. And I'm walking in the power of God the Spirit. It's what often is referred to as the dance of the Trinity, right? And there's this dance that's going on. He's saying, hey, I want you to know if you, would, if you love God, you would love what God is about. Because he's about me. He sent me here. And he goes on to say this, why is my language not clear to you? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, right? This is where that idea comes from. You cannot hear me, right? He says, because you're unable to hear what I have to say. You're unable to hear what I have to say. You belong to your father. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when you hear what Jesus says, it escalates very quickly, as you can tell in this passage, right? He tells them, hey, listen, you're not walking with God. You're walking with your father the devil. And I want to pay attention more to what he says about the devil. And next week, we're going to jump into this as we look at how he first shows up in the Old Testament scriptures in Genesis and, and what that means for us. But what it says about him, it describes him as a liar 
and a murderer and that he speaks his native tongue. And all he does is tell lies. All he does is tell lies. All he wants to do is kill you, kill your relationships, kill the purposes that God has for you. All he wants to do is bury you in shame, in despair, in fear. All he wants you to do is to go to what looks like freedom, but is not really freedom because he knows on the other side of that is imprisonment and enslavement. Jesus would say of him in John 10, he says, the thief, which is Satan, referring to Satan, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and give it to you to the full, give it to you abundantly. And I don't want you to miss your enemy because we have an enemy. We don't need to be afraid of this enemy. We need to be aware of this enemy because Jesus, praise be to God, is greater than this enemy. He defeats sin and death and Satan himself through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. But we need to know how he works. He's a liar. And he convinces us that lies are truth and wants us to walk in this confusion of what reality is. And so as we think about that, I want to give you a couple of things. And it's simply this. First is that lies, lies are the, the definition of that, not in accordance with fact or reality. And we need to know that. We need to know what lies are. They're not in accordance with fact or reality. And that's what you see him even do with Jesus. He tempts Jesus with things that look like the truth, even using Scripture. And we'll see that in a couple weeks too. But Jesus knew the truth. But we need to know how he works. Again, lies not in accordance with fact or reality. He tells lies. He wants to, to murder you. He wants to murder others. He wants to murder and kill. That's all he's bent on doing. And lies are his primary vehicle and tool to do that. So as we think about that, here's the other part. And this comes from that book I mentioned, Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. He says, our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from their captivities to lies and liberate them with the weapon of truth. To liberate them with the weapon of truth. Because a lot of what you hear in John 8, you hear things about our flesh, about how our, we're slaves to sin. But then you hear about this other opposer, this other enemy, the devil himself. But then we have a culture, whether that's the culture in the world that we live in, or even a Christian soul culture that often affirms the lies that we believe. And what John Mark is saying, he's saying, listen, our, again, our fight with the devil is first and foremost a fight to take back control of our minds from their captivities to lies and liberate them with the weapon of truth. And I want you just to hear me. The culture, the world is not our enemy. That's not what I want you to get at. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. But rather, we have to understand there's a way and an idea and a way of life that is affirmed and encouraged that goes against the freedom that Jesus has come to give us. And we need to be on guard and we need to attend to our souls in that way. As we continue on here, I want to just give you a couple ways and we'll jump more into this next week, that we move into freedom. And these are just three things that help us to walk in and to step into freedom. And it's this, that we move into freedom when we recognize the lies we live. And in order to recognize them, we actually have to have eyes to see them. And that's where we have to pray that the Holy Spirit would show us, hey, what lies am I living? Lies that you say about me, lies you say about others, lies you say about the world, what are the lies that I'm living? 
Holy Spirit, will you show me? God, will you show me? Because you say you want to set me free, and I want to experience freedom. So we've got to recognize the lies that we live, the way that we may view even relationships, the way that we view people. Are we objectifying them? Like, we need to be able to let him show us those things. And then we need to repent of the lies we live. And to repent means to change our mind in our direction, to join God with what he says about these lies. To change our direction. This is what Jesus is talking about. That if anybody is a slave, they're a slave because they're in sin. And that if they will agree about their condition that Jesus will be the one that can set them free, he will set them free. He provides freedom for us. And so we want to agree what he says about not only our spiritual condition before him, but our whole lives before him. Are there lies that we need to repent of? And then we need to replace the lies we live with the truth of Jesus. And what do I mean the truth of Jesus? What was Jesus about? What did Jesus do? Jesus quoted scripture. But it's easy and tempting, if we're not careful, to let scripture be this nebulous way of life versus embodying the way of Jesus. If it's not pushing us closer to the way of Jesus, we may be becoming someone who's moral and religious, but we're not truly walking in the freedom that Christ offers us and gives to us. Again, recognize the lies we live, repent of the lies we live, and replace the lies we live with the truth of Jesus. I want to give you a tool that will help you this week. We mentioned this book, Live No Lies. There's a seven-day reading plan that's found on YouVersion, and that's just a free Bible app. And so if you're like, hey, I'm interested to learn more about this book, this is totally free. You can follow along with it. But what I want you to hear me say today is that Jesus comes to give us free freedom, and he wants to give us this freedom that only comes through the truth of who he is and what he has for each and every one of us. And so it's our job to, first of all, recognize our need for who he is, but to walk with him to experience the freedom that we've been created for. And so as we pray together, I just want to invite you to consider, are you coming after Jesus and his way of life that leads to freedom? Let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you for your love for us, and we pray, Jesus, that you would move and minister as only you can in this moment in time, Lord. We thank you, God, um, that you are so at work today, and we pray, God, that we would really experience all that you have for us, all that you've intended for us, Lord. And we thank you for the freedom that's found in you. I pray that we would do what you say, that we would hold to your teachings, and that we would know the truth, and the truth would set us free. Thank you, Jesus, that you come to give us freedom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.